Hi, welcome everyone to the Tragedy and the Triumph podcast. Wendell Brown with you, founder of Tragedy and the Triumph, and the first person to stand in a line to say, God has changed my life, that he's done a work in my life, and I'm so thankful. We're joined today by Montel Jordan, and, and so happy that he could make the time to be with us. Uh, for those of you that may know that name or not know the connection or why you know that name, or for those of you who that name means everything, let me just remind you of the accolades. Number one hit song on Billboard's Top 100 for seven consecutive weeks, a platinum album, a musician, an actor, a record producer, and now a pastor. Montel, it's great to have you with us. Man, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for your platform. Thank you for having me uh, with you today. So so what is it that takes takes an individual from, from platinum recording artist with everything the world has to offer at your fingertips to then transforming life to say, man, I exist after the heart of Jesus Christ. So what is it that, that caused that transformation in your life? I think there are a lot of things that can lead uh, to transformation. For me, per se, um, it was a life of, of running uh, from God, uh, a life of knowing that I was even brought up in church. I, I often say I was brought up in church, but church wasn't always. I was always in church, but church wasn't always in me. Sure. Uh, and so from that standpoint, I knew from a young age that I was called into ministry, but um, rather than taking the journey of uh, going to seminary, I went to cemetery. I, I went to the music business. I went and and did life the hard way and and lived a life of of learning about the grace of God um, through some of the most difficult times that someone can can imagine. And I, and I know that uh, you know I've been asked, what is that one thing? What what was the turning point for you? that made you come to Jesus, you know, it was it one traumatic thing, one tragic thing. And I would say, you know, it was a lifetime of being apart from God that's that's tragic. And so from that standpoint, I mean, I could pinpoint bankruptcy. I could pin, uh, pinpoint lawsuits. I could pinpoint the loss of a child. I could uh, pinpoint a house fire where we lost everything. I can, there's tons of stuff that I could pinpoint that could have been that one thing. But I think ultimately the the journey is a scriptural one where God, uh, uh, I think there's a scripture, I'm, I'm a pastor, I should know this, uh, but it says uh, that he, um, he resists the proud, mm. uh, loves the humble, but he resists the proud. Uh, and so I was, I was prideful. And so because of that, you know, God resisting, uh, opposing the proud, I think that's the word, he opposes the proud. Uh, that doesn't mean that he dislikes the proud or he's frustrated with the proud or he's angry with the proud. He opposes, meaning God becomes the opponent, yeah. uh, the adversary to someone who is prideful. And so I went on a journey of uh, rather than humbling myself, uh, of having God humble me. And so that was my tragedy uh, that God had to humble me rather than me humble myself. And so in that process, uh, he humbled me because he loved me. I love to humble me. And that began my journey to allow him to transform my heart to be the man I believe that he wanted me to be today 
but I had to take that journey early on, you know, of, of the prideful music recording artist, you know, I'm all that type of person uh, for him to be able to, to make that transition in me. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it's, it's really interesting. I say all the time, God, God will do all the work, but we have to be willing to let him do the work. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I mean, the reality is we, we've got to find ourselves in a position of surrender to say, OK, I've tried it enough my way. God, God, I really would love to see you have you taken my life in a different direction. And yeah, uh, it, and it's hard sometimes because, you know, to allow it, it is not it, it's not an easy thing to to lose, to let God control everything. I mean, we're we're human and in our humanity, just in being on our right minds. Uh, the faith walk in itself of trusting someone greater than ourselves is not for the faint of heart. It's not an easy thing, you know, to just let go and, and let God. That's the statement. Just let go and let God. That's not that's not easy to do, you know. But when you do it, you do find the freedom that's there in recognizing, man, I've been doing it the wrong way for so long. Um, but every person has to kind of learn for themselves that trust in God, that faith walk that they can actually step out in faith and, and God is steadfast uh, and he is faithful. That's right. You know, I, I'll tell you what, I remember a time in my life, I was really struggling with pride and uh, I'm a pastor. So became a pastor and, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm having a marriage counseling with this couple. They've been having struggles for five years. She says at the end of that counseling session, we've learned more in 30 minutes than we have in five years of counseling. And I wow. walked out of my office and I was like, I am the man. I yeah. man, I just did something awesome. And as I'm as I'm putting my hand on the car door, God says, Hey, Wendell, didn't you ask me for wisdom before that meeting oh, no. ever started? And yeah. I was like, Yeah. And then and then it taught me this great principle because I was still prideful in my spirit. But I said to God, God, would you forgive me for my pride? I agree with you. I don't want pride in my life. Yeah. And I remember pulling away. It was this great defining moment in my life where God just said, that's exactly how I want you to be. So, yeah, so well. it, you know, even anybody struggling with pride, man, just that admission that God, here's my pride. I feel this way. I'm prideful. I can't change it, but you can. I give it to you to change is quite the yeah. admission, isn't it, man? Ab absolutely. And that, that makes me think of something, Wendell, just from the standpoint of, you know, uh, being a pastor now m myself, um, and and there's a story behind behind that whole journey. Uh, but um, I, I still get the opportunity to go out into the world before uh, and do my music. I still get an opportunity to to be in front of thousands of people on I love the '90s tours and uh, out with some of the the biggest artists of the the late '80s and the and the '90s and early 2000s, uh, packed stadiums of people. Uh, but when I'm there during my show, I always minister now, uh, which is very unusual to take the gospel of Jesus Christ outside of the four walls to the church, to a concert arena with 30,000 people looking at you talking about Jesus when they just came here to, to hear this is how we do it. Uh, but part of why I do that is I let people know that one, uh, music is a part of the soundtrack to our lives uh, and that my music is connected to them in some way. And God, in reuniting us, is allowing them to see what it looks like when he gets a hold of a man's heart yeah. and changes him and transforms him and then puts him right back out with people that remember him but don't know what's different about him. And I'm explaining to them that Jesus Christ is the thing that's different. And then I end up ministering. It, it literally takes less than two minutes 
for me to, to share with the audience that um, I know many of them don't do the church thing. I know many of them don't do the God thing, uh, but I let them know God loves you uh, and God misses you. And even if you wouldn't come to a church, he would send a 90s R&B singer uh, mm. out to be able to let you know how valuable you are to him. And I can look into a crowd of 30,000 people and realize, you know, we're living out the, the Matthew 28, go and make disciples as opposed to making disciples after they come. Uh, I'm, I'm on a different uh, battlefield out going into the world to try and draw people, you know, to Christ. And the, the point I'm making is that prior to God making that transformation in my heart, pride had me saying, you know, you know, put, throw your hands up, you know, let me hit a party say, but I wanted them to throw their hands up for me. I wanted them to mm -hmm. throw their hands up for what I was controlling and causing them to do. But now, uh, I, I believe I'm pointing them or directing them or leading them to, to lift their hands for a different reason now, because I recognize that, uh, the adoration and the worship, um, it's not for me. It's it's only for one, the only one who's worthy of that, and that's that's Jesus Christ. And I get to do that now outside of the church, which in itself is, and when I say outside of the church, I re recognize as humans, we are supposed to be the church. The church isn't a place, it's a people. Uh, but still the infrastructure of what people think church is, I get now the opportunity through God humbling me and placing me back out in my old surroundings, I get to take the church to a dying world as opposed to waiting for a dying world to come to the church. What a great thing, Montel. What a great thing. I, You know, I was thinking nothing is wasted in the kingdom of God, right? Yeah. So so, so God gives you this, this platinum selling record and then years later gives you a platform because of that to tell people about the greatness of God. What a great thing, man. Wow. What, wow. What, what a great thing. I love thing. how you said that. That's actually, I've never heard uh, from platinum to platform <laughs> pretty yeah. much is what happened there. So. Yeah. What what a great thing. My my wife and I went and saw Charlie Wilson. And, uh, you know, Charlie kind of does the same thing. I was blown Loves away God. at him. I, yes. I mean, all of a sudden revival started happening in the middle of, you know, of his concert. It was It was incredible. Charlie's got a testimony. Uncle Charlie has a testimony. He he's got to tell it every time. I was with him in a couple of concerts as well. Man, yeah. man God, yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. So so I saw a tweet from you the other day that said, "26 years ago, we dropped our second album and we began this journey into darkness. 26 years later, we launch a ministry and walk boldly into light, being light in dark spaces." So so what is the ministry here that you're that you're launching and moving toward? Well, the beautiful thing is uh, my wife, uh, Kristen, and I, we get to now pastor a church uh, called Masterpiece Church. And Masterpiece Church is a virtual church. It literally is a physical church in the virtual space. Awesome. Uh, and it's constructed for people who uh, maybe can't get to a physical church location. Maybe they are imprisoned. Maybe they are uh, immune compromised. Maybe they are burnt out. Maybe, maybe they are a pastor that has a church and they pour out, but they don't have anybody to pour back into them. Maybe for whatever reason, uh, there are people that feel like what they thought church was supposed to be 
um, they got tainted or maybe hurt by uh, people that represented the kingdom. Um, our church is from our living room uh, to your living room. Um, nice. We believe we are all living rooms. And so uh, we learned during the pandemic that when a lot of church doors had to close uh, and pastors were going into their empty buildings uh, and, and using the gigantic stages with maybe a couple of staff members so that they weren't preaching to an empty room and the cameras were capturing this idea of the big building service and then sending that that broadcast to someone's phone or sending that broadcast to someone's computer or their television, even prior to the pandemic, the idea that we are having church over here in this building and we're going to send this experience in this building to your phone or to your home to experience what it's like to be in the building. Um, we have taken the notion that if if church is the building, then we're trying to get someone to feel what it feels like to be in the building when they're not there. Mm -hmm. But if you're at home watching this and I'm at home watching this or, or delivering this, there's a very different dynamic that takes place. If you're at your house in your pajamas with a cup of coffee and I'm at my house with a cup of coffee and I'm talking to you, People can't see right now probably what you and I look like. I can see because of this call that we're on, you've got your musical equipment behind you in a room with your family on the wall. I've got my musical equipment behind me with my family you know, on the wall. And so there's something that becomes more intimate. There's a different connection that takes place when people feel like I could have been in a gigantic building someplace, you know, with lights and cameras and everything saying, hey, what's up, Wendell? I'm yeah. here in the stadium, this or that. And I want you to feel like we're connected. I just feel like from our living room to your living room with my wife and her, you know, in their footsie slippers and <laughs> and us just being one on one uh, uh, with God being there. It's just a different view of what church is. And I know lots of recording artists. I know lots of people. I know lots of NFL players, NBA players, business people who just don't get to a local church. Either they can't or they won't, or they're working or they're playing or they're doing something in their lives. And so uh, rather than say, hey, you need to get to a church, uh, we are saying we would love you to get to a church, but we're called as the church to go and make disciples. So until you can get to a church, we'll come to you. That That's the goal. So that Masterpiece Church is a church that is virtual, that a person can pull up every Sunday at 6 p.m. Or after that, it's on demand so that people who may not be able to get to your church, um, the church gets to them. That's great. That's great. What a, Again, what what a great ministry. Um, I... I uh, I, I think about the dynamics of isolation. And of course, you know, we all know coming from COVID how difficult that was. But I, I, I was thinking the other day, we're still not past isolation. Isolation is still is still living in our hearts. We're all we're all still hesitant to be around people. We're all still hesitant to uh you know, I know people are traveling, but but you know, sitting in an airplane like I did a week ago. And and hear somebody cough and everybody starts panicking. Oh, you know, yeah. 
I mean, yeah. it just we're we're still living under this weight of isolation here a little bit. So what a man, what a great thing. I um I, I also saw the other day you uh you you released a single with with Skyler. Um Daddy's Home. Is that is that right? With with your that, son Skyler? That is correct. I think uh, my very first album that was dropped uh, probably close to what, nineteen ninety uh, dropped in nineteen ninety-five. Um, I had a song on there called Daddy's Home. And then just this past a couple of months, uh, my son, Skyler, who's in college, he's in his second year of college. He said, Dad, I want to do some music stuff. And so we opened up the door. We did a duet together and covered uh, that first song. And he smashed it. He knocked it out of the park. If anybody wants to hear a really, really great song, uh, a remake of my original song, Daddy's Home. It's a song about fatherhood uh, and a father-son relationship, something we don't hear very often. Uh, but uh, it's a beautiful song, and my son sings. He beats the brakes off that song. He he kills it, and so I'm I'm proud. He's got the he's got the gift. Honestly, that is that is great. That is great. You know, you know, my son uh, played football. Captain of his football team had offers to go to 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 play, and decided no. I just uh, I feel like ministry. I'm 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 going that track, and mm-hmm. and loves and in the process as much as he loved football. He's given a speech at college today. About as much as he loved football, the truth is he loves music so much more, wow. and uh, and so you know he's 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 constantly in his room writing everything. It seems like yeah. and and putting mixes together and and just spending lots of time. I know and 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 seems to love it. But you know, I also know that God puts passions in people's hearts for a reason, right? And uh, yeah, what what a great thing that must have been to take the passion of your son, right? And then, and then as a dad, get to participate in it. What a great thing. Yeah. Well, when you have, uh, uh, when you get to father people who are gifted in so many different areas, it really becomes, I think, kind of like our heavenly father that, you know, I often look to God and sometimes I believe we say, you know, God, what, what do you want from me? What, what, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? I yield myself to you. What, Whatever you want, God, show me what you want. Uh, and I believe a, a good father uh, that he is, I think sometimes he's saying, what do, what do you want? Hmm. What, what do you want? I, I put all that in there. So what of all the stuff that I put in there, what do you want? You know, I kind of go back to this story uh, where uh, the biblical story where Elijah goes to Ahab and says to him, hey, it's not going to rain for three years. Uh, and God made it not rain for three years. But what you won't find anywhere in scripture is where God told Elijah to tell Ahab, it's not going to rain for three years. Yeah. God never told Elijah that. Elijah spoke it and he spoke it to Ahab. And because he was in alignment with God and because God was lockstep with him, he said, well, if Elijah said it, that's my guy. I put it in there. He could have said five years. He could have said one year. But because he said three, I'm honored that Elijah said three. And so sometimes when we're asking God, what do you want? I think God is asking us, what do you want? Uh, and so for your son, he placed all those gifts in there. And I believe he's saying, what What do you want? I yeah. want to kiss, you know what I'm saying? The, the thing that I placed in you that's that inspires you the most I want to be able to do that. So yeah, my son is athletic. My son is musical. My son has a bunch of different gifts. And so I'm like a good father. I am saying to him, what is it you want to do, son? You want to do music? Let's do music. You want to play football? Okay, let's do that. 
And so I want what's inside of him to come outside of him because I'm trying to mirror what God, I believe, wants to do for us as well. Boy, that's a, that is a great word, Montel. I've never heard it described that way. Never even heard that story of Elijah and Ahab described that way. That is a, that, that is a great word. For any dad listening to this, that is a great word, right? Yeah. To bring out what's in our children and, and to model our Heavenly Father that way. That, that, that's, that's good. That's rich. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. that I'm serious. That, that has blessed me today and helped Amen. me today. That's awesome. Hey, so so how can people interact with you? Um, yes, yes. Well, I, I shared one of the things that my wife Kristen and I are doing. It's actually a twofold thing, and it's it's pretty big. Uh, we are the founders of Marriage Masterpiece Retreat Centers, which is a facility in Georgia to help public marriages heal in private. Hmm. Uh, it is an estate that sits on six acres of land that we are currently developing. And the estate uh, is to help high profile uh, marriages and leaders and executives and people who have the ability to to need to heal in private. Uh, we want to help those marriages. Our goal is to help save a million marriages. Uh, and so that's what we're doing. And the property is also the location for Masterpiece church, which is basically a house church that we go virtually from our living room to yours. So if people want to find us, uh, if it's marriage related, they can go to marriagemasterpiece.com and marriage masterpiece, masterpiece is P-E-A-C-E. Uh, and so marriagemasterpiece.com or montelandkristen.com, which is Montel, M-O-N-T-E-L-L-A-N-D. And Kristen is K-R-I-S-T-I-N, MontelandKristen.com. That's for most of our marriage stuff. And then for the ministry stuff, if you're checking out Masterpiece Church, that is simply MasterpieceChurch.com. And then we're at Masterpiece Church on Facebook. We're Masterpiece Church on Instagram. We're at Masterpiece uh, Church on uh, YouTube. Uh, so you can either find us as a church at Masterpiece Church, or you find us for the marriage stuff at Montel and Kristen. Great, great. Come in here, Montel Jordan, live and in person, May the 2nd, 7 p.m., 510 Woodland Street, Nashville, Tennessee. You will not want to miss Montel as he and his wife Kristen share their real life story of tragedy into triumph. Also, May 1st, just the night before, Jonathan Kane will be joining us. Jonathan Kane is the guy who helped write Don't Stop Believing, who wrote Faithfully and Open Arms, has been with Journey for 40 years. You won't want to miss the stories that he will tell and how God was weaving his life into Jonathan's life the entire time. The last night of Tragedy and the Triumph will be May 3rd, and Brian Head Welch from the band Corn will also be sharing his real-life story of how God has brought healing, hope, and help to his life. May 1, 2, and 3, you can join us live in Nashville, or you can simulcast and simply register at our website, tragedyandotriumph.com. God bless each of you.